This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I'm Kevin Randall. I'll be joined here momentarily by Don Ecker, who is livid, I might say, because... I gave him the wrong time, but these things happen. I was just going to say, I'm getting a little bit annoyed with the entire UFO field, the way things are just going nuts. And all these people coming in that are, I guess, touted as experts who don't really seem to understand the field, the people writing books who have a vast knowledge of absolutely nothing. Um, they haven't spent a lot of time studying it. They haven't followed the leads at the very end. They draw conclusions based on faulty information, and there's almost no convincing them that they're wrong. And one of the prime examples I keep hearing, we're getting email from this guy who claims the alien autopsy is real. Just study the film. They found the cameraman's crash site in New Mexico. I'm thinking, we know it's a hoax. The guys who hoaxed it said it was a hoax. They have pictures of them creating the alien for the autopsy. They've explained how it was done. They've explained the whole thing. And this guy is just convinced that the alien autopsy is real and the idea that it's a hoax is, in fact, a hoax in itself. And the CIA is somehow responsible or the government or something like that. And I'm just tired of arguing with these people, I actually stopped in many cases, about uh, this nonsense. And we have to draw some kind of line between the reality of the situation and the, the, the fantasy these people believe in. Uh, <clears throat> and that kind of leads me to Don Necker, not that he's a delves in the fantasy, but he has been around forever in a week like I have in the UFO field, and he understands the difference between the fantasy and the fiction and the reality of the situation. And uh, I think that'll lead our discussion here, <clears throat> excuse me, a little later on. I will tell you, and I'm sure you all know, that Don Ecker is a writer, researcher, commentator currently living in the Los Angeles area. Uh, serving as a former director of research and media liaison for UFO magazine for 20 years. Don is an internationally renowned investigator of the UFO phenomenon. I'll, I'll buy that. I'm on board with that. He's a former law enforcement officer and criminal investigator with over 10 years experience. And he has brought legitimacy to the field that has suffered for years from being painted with the fringe brush, which is kind of what I was talking about, coincidentally. He has written numerous articles for the definitive UFO publication, UFO Magazine, as well as articles for international publications. Don has hosted his own weekly national radio show, UFOs Tonight, on cable radio network for five years, and then Strange Days, a five nights a week, on the Liberty Works radio network. And today, Dark Matters Radio airs on KGRA Digital Broadcasting. Ecker has been a guest on well over a thousand radio talk shows around the country. He's probably hosted about the, that number himself. He has recently completed the novel Past Sins that is published by Gateway Publishing. You can learn more about that at the Amazon website. Don Ecker, welcome to A Different Perspective, and it's been way too long. Well, thank you, Kevin. And hey, just so everybody knows, I am not any more livid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I under, fully understand how uh, these little oopsies can happen. And uh, you're in central time, in the central time area. I'm in the Pacific. You know, my producer is back on the East Coast, which is Eastern time. So, you know, you can get confused. No problem. No As problem. is my producer in the Eastern time zone. And we try to, I try to put everything in Eastern time zone. And I accidentally, I guess, told you it was going to be... Um, in the uh, central time zone. So you were ready an hour earlier than I was ready. 
there you go. And I'm I'm sending you frantic emails. Kevin, Kevin, what's going on? I was eating lunch, so there you go. Um, let's move into the realm of UFOs just for laughs. You know, sometimes I want to get a little silly on the program and introduce a bit of levity to it, but I'm always afraid to do that for sure people will misunderstand me. Uh, I once got castigated because I had said that the Roswell crash was probably staged by the aliens to introduce themselves in the most non-threatening way possible. And uh, people thought I was serious about that. Well, you know what they say, if they can't take a joke. Now, I could tell you what we used to say in the Army, but uh, that might not go over well here. So, <laughs> Well, we used to say that in the Army and the Air Force and the National Guard, so we all understand what you're, where you're going with that. Uh, my thought for the beginning of our discussions here would be on the current state of ufology. Are we moving toward disclosure? Is the information coming out from the Navy beneficial to understanding the phenomenon? I mean, big, broad topic, obviously, but I've just noticed a lot of people focusing on these things and a lot of the other information about the UFO phenomena being pushed to us to the side. So where do you where do you sit in this latest extravaganza of UFO information? Okay, uh, I'll tell you. For over 30 years, I've been banging my head on this thing. And if this were, let's say, 25 years ago, all right, 25 years ago, which would have been what, 1996, I would have said, you know, Kevin, I have no doubt in my former military mind that when I pass off this mortal coil, I will know no more then than I know now. Well, I got to tell you, in the last couple of years, my attitude has taken a very slow turn. But I was just telling uh, my wife, who was the former uh, creator and publisher of UFO magazine, and who I might add, pretty much washed her hands of it about 2006, and, and something very odd happened with that, uh, I am feeling a bit more hopeful. And she and I watched the recent 60 Minutes special that they did on, uh, well, the topic of UFOs, something I, honest to God, would never have believed would have happened. And it was not only done in a legitimate manner, but with, I thought, the proper amount of respect that I always felt this uh, topic needed. And uh, when it was over, my wife and I looked at each other and I said, good heaven, what, what do you think about that? And she said, you know, for the first time in years, I'm feeling kind of excited about this. So that told me, Kevin, that beware, we just may be undergoing a sea change. Well, on the other side of that coin, I was doing a what I call a video lap. People call it channel surfing. And I happened to come across uh, Fox, the Fox Channel, Fox News, and the word UFO was up there, and it caught my attention, of course. And I stopped and listened to them. They were showing the old TikTok video, chatting about. This was Monday, by the way. The old TikTok video. And uh, when they got done with that, I think it was John Roberts mentioned that uh, part of the problem might have been that they changed the radar systems in the F-18 Hornets uh, a couple of years ago, about the time these anomalies began showing up. And so he made some joke about the uh, bug on the lens and it being a computer bug or a real bug and that sort of thing. And they giggled and they went away. And it just struck me that, you know, you talk about 60 Minutes doing a legitimate story. And the next day or so, we see uh, another cable news channel kind of making fun of it. And that kind of bothered me a little bit. We've taken the step backwards. Well, you're always going to have 
knuckleheads on television. I mean, that that's a prerequisite, okay? And uh, what we're legitimately and actually talking about is possibly one of the most profound mysteries to ever confront the human species. If, in fact, we are dealing with, and there's no doubt in my mind, that we are dealing with a very real phenomena. If we're dealing with visitors from off-world, or if we are dealing with visitors from an interdimensional space, what could be more profound than that? And just like Luis Elizondo said on that 60 Minutes piece, and, and I want to talk a little more about him in a moment. But just like he said, look, it's real. It may sound crazy, but it's there. It's been seen. It's been photographed. It's been picked up on radar. Uh, these things have been buzzing around. Even over nuclear uh, missile sites, American nuclear uh, facilities, which incidentally over the years, as you and I both know, the phenomenon has shown a profound interest in nuclear weapons, nuclear sites. Uh, and if you believe the reports, they've even demonstrated being able to shut down our missiles, which if you think about that, my God, scary, okay? National security, you bet. Don, let me interject something here because you brought up a point I think is important, is it the phenomenon, no matter what it is, whether it's space visitors or interdimensional or whoever it is, we've got an outside force that was able to shut down a whole flight of ballistic missiles, something that supposedly you cannot do from the outside. That makes it a, an issue of national security because if our competitors learned that that could be done, then they would actively look for a way to do it. I think when we talk about the phenomenon, it really doesn't matter what it is in the context of this particular thing, because they were able to do something that supposedly cannot possibly be done. Yeah, we, we've discovered there are a lot of things that we previously thought could not be done, but yet it is being done. So whatever it is, Kevin, I think the groundswell is now growing to the point where not only are congressional representatives, both senators and House of Representatives people interested and wanting to know more about this, but all the way up to the office of POTUS. Now, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what develops by the end of June when this report, and it will of course be a whitewashed report, but when this report is finally released. Uh, I personally think there are still elements within the, uh, the Pentagon that are doing desperate measures to block this at every opportunity. Well, and let's come I, back. Let's come back to that in just a moment because I got to take a break here. Okay. Uh, if uh, you're interested in more information about this, take a look at my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and I'll have a little bit more information up there and a couple of links that might help you understand what's going on. You're listening to a different perspective on the Exome Broadcast Network, and we'll be back right after this. So please stick around. Children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. 
joined here by Don Ecker. Even in today's environment, we're doing social distances, but only because he happens to live in California and I live in Iowa, and it makes it really different, difficult for us to get together in the same room. I would do so without a mask, given the latest directives from on high that some of the lower officials don't seem to believe in, but that's a whole nother argument. The other thing I wanted to say is I kind of missed last week's bumper music uh, because it just fit into the topic so well, but these things happen. When we went away, we were kind of talking about the, uh, I guess, the report that is due out here in June. And Don, you uh, said you expected it to be something of a whitewash. And I wondered if uh, you wanted to expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin, you've been in this officially longer than I have uh, officially, although I've had a an interest in this going back to when I was a young teenager. But, yeah, the problem has always been there's been an absolute, regardless of the case, there's been an absolute, you know, refusal on the part of officialdom to uh, recognize that something is actually happening. Now, uh, by the way, if you hear some crazy uh, movement in here uh, at my house, uh, my wife is currently trying to shoo a bird out of the house that somehow got into the house. So, you know, uh, so just be aware. But but anyway, uh, yeah, they have, have, they being the Pentagon and the powers that be, have always uh, refused to acknowledge this. They have ruined hundreds, if not thousands, of careers going over the last 60 years uh, because people have come forward reporting these things. Uh, even when we've had presidents of the United States come forward and say, uh, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I saw one. Uh, Ronald Reagan comes to mind. Uh, Jimmy Carter comes to mind. Uh, other people like uh, William Jefferson Clinton has stated that they... Uh, uh, had great curiosity about this. So, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. Now, when I say that I believe that uh, they will go out of their way to still today deny that there's anything there, I've had a number of conversations uh, in the last few months with Luis Elizondo. As a matter of fact, I am... Uh, trying to get Elizondo uh, a date for him to appear on my show. But uh, he's aware of my military background, and of course I'm aware of his. And uh, he told me that when he was working on the ATIP program, he was approached by a very senior officer in the Pentagon. And he told me, he said, if I told you this individual's name, you would know who he was. And I said, uh, okay, uh, well, what did he have to say? And he said, well, he told me he preferred that I drop this line of inquiry. And I found that very, very odd. And I said, well, why would he do that? And he said, well, uh, I asked him why. And he said, well, we know who they are. The who being the people in the... Senior Pen Pentagon officer. And I said, he said they knew who they are. And I, I, I couldn't believe that. And he said, that's, that's correct. And I said, okay, uh, who are they? And Elizondo told me that this officer said, they're demonic and we want nothing to do with it. Now, I looked at that statement, and I had a lot of questions swirling in my mind. And I said, well, uh, uh, okay, I've, I've heard, I personally have heard that there was a contingent within the Pentagon uh, known as the Collins elite. And I'm sure, Kevin, you've heard about that. Yes. 
And these were allegedly, and it was reported on in great detail a number of years ago by Nick Redfern, these individuals were reportedly uh, very fundamentalist, fundamentalist Christian inclined. So I, I could understand that, but a senior military officer, but I said, look, even if that were true, and incidentally, I do not believe it is true, but even if it were, that still would seem to be a threat to the national security. And for somebody that, like that to just want to turn a blind eye, I mean, my God, Kevin, for 70 years, apparently, the military and the intelligence agencies have been turning a blind eye to this. And I, I truly fear at some point, if we don't grab this bull by the horns, we're going to end up regretting it. Well, I... I have a problem with this idea that there's senior officers in the Pentagon that believe it's demonic. I've had an opportunity to relate to a number of senior officers during my military career, and I've met some who are religious, but I've never met anybody who would suggest that UFOs were demonic and there was some kind of interaction between this demonic phenomenon and the rest of the people out there. It just doesn't seem to be a logical thing that there's some kind of cabal in the Pentagon that believes, I mean, this sounds like it'd be something more involved in one of the church organizations than the national military organization. Oh, you're getting no, you're getting no disagreement from me. I'm just simply reporting what I was told. Well, let's, let me take a step back because you, before we went off on this bizarre tangent, you had mentioned the um, presidents and their interest in UFOs. I, Ron, Ronald Reagan, I think, had two UFO sightings. Carter's probably is explainable, but that doesn't mean back when he had the sighting, he wasn't looking at it as, as, as extraterrestrial or something like that. And Clinton was interested. Um, it seems Obama was somewhat interested in, in the phenomenon. Uh, and I, I just wondered... Do you have any theory on how their investigations would have been stymied or their qu questions would have been dodged? Absolutely, I do. And uh, you held a top security clearance in the military. I had a top security clearance with crypto access in the military. And that's a very high security clearance. But what exactly does that mean? All that means is if in the course of my duties at that point, I had to be read into a program, then I could have been read into it because of my security clearance. That did not mean that anything top secret would be shared with me if I did not have, and here's the important phrase, a need to know. And apparently... That goes also for presidents of the United States. Now, granted, they are the commander-in-chief, but apparently, if you believe Clinton especially, because Clinton, if, if uh, you all will remember, and probably most won't, when Clinton took office, he pulled aside a personal friend of his who was assistant attorney general by the name of Webster Hubble. And he told Hubble, he said, Webb, there are two things I want to know. I want to know who killed JFK, and I want to know about UFOs. And Hubble later wrote a book, after he got out of jail, by the way, he had to spend a little pokey time. I'm sure you'll recall that, Kevin. But when he got out of jail, he wrote his book, and he stated in there what Clinton had asked him. And at that point, when they were in the White House, Hubble started his investigation. He got nowhere. Nowhere was shut down all the way around. So 
unless I think, now this is my speculation, unless something were to happen that promised dire consequences for the nation, like Independence Day, the film that came out in 96. Uh, I saw that movie. Uh, the film president, the, the president or the guy portraying the president acted all shocked when the UFOs showed up. And why wasn't I told? Well, you know, the uh, <laughs> Secretary of Defense kind of mealy-mouthed around about that when they were on their way out to Area 51, where they had the stuff stored. Now, I have no doubt that that is true today. Can you really today, Kevin, believe that they would read into the program Joe Biden? Well, that's a different question. Um, I would think the president would have the ability, because of who he is and what he commands, what he's able to do, he's able to require them to provide him with the information. And if they don't provide it, he is in a position to fire those people. Sure he is. But and bring on their let's deputies. Look, yeah, let's look at the fallout of something like that, though. The public relations fallout. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly... Honestly, I don't know, but I really think that today, currently, things are heating up to the point where I'm not going to say the dam is going to break, but I think the dam just might have some spillover. Well, I've got a couple of ideas here that we need to discuss coming up here. One of them is the idea of... Um, kind of diverting the president's attention rather than answering his questions. And the second one is something that John Greenwald and I've talked about before, is that what we're looking at now is Condon 2.0. In other words, it's an attempt to divert public attention away from UFOs. Uh, the Condon Committee was designed specifically to answer three specific questions or make three draw three specific conclusions. One, there was no national security implication, which they knew was a total lie, that the Air Force had done an admirable job in investigating UFOs, which we know is a total lie, and there was nothing of scientific value to be learned by continued investigation of UFOs, which is not necessarily a lie, but a bogus com conclusion based on some of the things the Condon Committee said. And I'm thinking of one of my favorite answers in the Condon Committee when they looked at a case from, I think, 1954, and they concluded that it was a natural phenomenon so rare it had never been seen before or since. And I'm thinking, well, an investigation of something of that kind of information would be relevant and would be important to advancing our scientific knowledge if this natural phenomenon is out there existing. But the idea today is that we're being set up by the uh, information being leaked into the public arena. The TikTok videos and the videos we see are not that spectacular in and of themselves and could be leading us down the primrose path um, because they will eventually say, well, here's what happened. It was, in fact, a glitch between the uh, um, optics of the situation, and we've now resolved that, and there will be no more of these kind of sightings, and that tells people, well, there's nothing to UFOs. Um, and there's a, a presidential aspect of this that I want to explore, too, but I'm running out of time in this segment. When we come back, we'll get into that a little bit deeper, I think, because I think it'll be important for us to understand that. And I also want to say there are many fine programs about the paranormal found on the Exxon Broadcast Network, so take a look at the listings on the Exxon Broadcast website, and you're going to find uh, some programs. I think you'll find your favorite is mine, A Different Perspective. We will be back right after this, so please stick around.
I am here with Don Ecker, and before we get back into the heaviness of UFOs, I would like to point out that is, in fact, one of my favorite songs, because as a helicopter pilot, I always love the line, I've got myself some wings, and of course, we got wings when we graduated from flight school, but I always thought it was the perfect song to play at a funeral, No Time Left For You. And uh, That's I, dark. You know, I, yeah, well, we have dark thoughts periodically here. Um, when we went away, we were kind of talking about um, the president's ability to get at information. And I, I wanted to say I've done a book that just came out called UFOs in the Deep State, and I kind of explored that somewhat. Dan Sheehan was talking to me about, and I've mentioned this before on the program, about um, Jimmy Carter's attempt to investigate UFOs. And he was talking to H. Uh, George H.W. Bush, when he was the DCI, Director of Central Intelligence, and he asked Bush about the UFOs, and Bush said, well, I would like to uh, remain on as the DCI, and Carter said, I got my own guy coming in, and Bush said, well, I can't answer your question because you're not the president yet. So, I mean, here is the guy subordinate to the president actually telling him, no, I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, because you're not the president yet, and I'm going to lose my job anyway, so who cares? But I thought that was kind of interesting, but it suggested something else. that uh, and, and you kind of talked about it a little bit with, with Hubble not getting anywhere, and I think the answer is, if the president asked the questions, and I explore this in the book a little bit, that what happens is they say, well, there's a lot of agencies involved. I've got to draw all this information together. I've got to pull it all together, and uh, it'll take some time to do so and other things come up. And you have to wonder about some of the crises that that uh, come up during presidential invest, uh, presidencies. Um, and I'm thinking Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky thing, of course, diverted his attention. It was something that could be manipulate, manipulated by the deep state or by outside influences. Uh, the um, hostage situation in Iran diverted Carter's attention. And I just wondered, you know, these are kind of ploys that divert attention, and that may be uh, they don't deny the president the information. They just divert his attention until he's no longer the president, and they can go off and do something else. What do you think about that idea there, Don? I, I think that is very plausible. Now, uh, an incident happened a few years ago that came to light a little bit over a year ago. At the time, it made quite a story, and I uh, ended up doing some digging into it. It was purportedly a meeting that had been held between Dr. Eric Davis, one of Bob Bigelow's original NIDS scientists, and Admiral Thomas Wilson, former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA. Now, it had a lot of names associated with it, one of them being Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, some former directors of Central Intelligence, uh, reporter Billy Cox, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who's been a perennial okay, when it comes to UFO grandiose claims. And uh, anyway, here's what happened. When Edgar Mitchell died, now remember who Edgar Mitchell was, the sixth American astronaut to walk on the moon. And Mitchell made quite a bit of news at the time performing some ESP experiments that made a lot of racket when they were coming back from the moon. He was very progressive in some more esoteric areas than would normally be associated with astronauts. Now, Mitchell had gone on the record many times talking about believing that the cosmos is filled with life, including sentient life, and he claimed that he believed that sentient ET life had come to Earth. Now, he said he didn't see anything on the moon, 
when he when he traveled up there. And that's a whole different ball of wax. I mean, that that's another entire topic. But the bottom line was uh, Mitchell, because of his status and who he was, did a lot, a lot of snooping around about the ET question. And, of course, because it's a part of it, the UFO slash UAP phenomenon. Now, he died. And when he died, later on, individuals were going through his personal papers and what have you, and found a document that purportedly came from Eric Davis that talked about a meeting he had in Las Vegas with Admiral Thomas Wilson, DIA director. Now... In this meeting, allegedly, and I'm let me stress the allegedly because Wilson vehemently denied that this happened. And I am convinced that he lied, and not only did he lie, but he lied to save himself from federal penalties, and I'll explain that in a moment. But you're saying, well, to, let me let me let me make sure I got this straight. You're saying that Admiral Wilson lied about the meeting. Yes, because we we got into a pronoun thing here, and I just wanted to straighten that out. Yes, he lied about it, and he lied about what was in this document. Now, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was a criminal investigator, and I've been on many investigations, and one thing. I always made sure I had with me, along with my handcuffs, my sidearm, and a few other odds and ends, and that was a recorder. Now, back in those days, it was not digital, it was uh, audio tape, but I always had my recorder. And my recorder, when, when something would happen and I thought, oh boy, I better make sure I cross all my T's and dot all my I's, I would turn the recorder on. And I have no doubt that Eric Davis had a recorder when he had this meeting with Wilson. And Wilson in there described he had been approached by a number of people, including Edgar Mitchell and others, about the UFO thing. And he began doing some snooping around back in Foggy Bottom, Washington, D.C., the Pentagon. And he finally, allegedly, discovered that, and I'm just going to cut to the chase, we, the Americans, the United States of America, had in our possession recovered technology that was, at that point, currently resting in an aerospace corporation out here on the West Coast. Wilson wanted to find out because, I mean, after all, the man's an admiral. He's a flag rank officer. He's heading up one of the premier intelligence agencies in the United States of America, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA. And he contacted this alleged group that had the recovered technology, they told him they could not talk about it on the phone, that he would have to come out there, and subsequently, purportedly, he did. He traveled out. And what he allegedly told Eric Davis was that they took him into a secure vault where he asked them, do you, in fact, have recovered technology? And they said, well, Admiral, sorry, you don't have a need to know. And he said, wait a minute, I'm an admiral. I am, by God, head of the DIA. Doesn't matter, you're not on the list. And they pulled out a book and showed him the only people that were basically able to be briefed because this was an SAP program. Now, what that means is SAP, Special Access 
program. You don't get any higher than that. And not only was this an SAP program, but if you even acknowledge that there is such a thing as an SAP program, in this case connected with recovered technology, you can go to prison just on that basis alone. An SAP program by law, if you're basically read into it, you have to deny, lie, whatever by law because if you admit that you were a part of it or had knowledge of it, you are liable for federal prosecution. Now think about that. So when all this blew up, Wilson, when he was finally contacted, denied everything. Eric Davis went underground. He wouldn't talk to nobody about nothing. So, just from my standpoint, I put on my detective hat, and I looked at that whole situation, and I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, guilty is black sin. I have no doubt this happened. Because things like that don't come out of whole cloth, especially when you have somebody like Davis, okay, who instantly disappeared, made himself totally unavailable. Hey, all it would have taken was Davis to come out and say, uh, no, there's no truth to this. Well, how did Edgar Mitchell get that document? Hey, I don't know, but he never did that. So, Kevin... The bottom line is, I believe the reason we have not gotten anywhere for, well, at least 50 years is because these things, if in fact we have them, have been farmed out to corporations who are not subject to, to uh, either disclosure or freedom of information. So, yeah, that's why... We haven't been able to get anywhere because the government, the military, uh, the Air Force, the Navy, whomever, don't have access to it. Not only do they not have access to this stuff, but they have not been read in. And that's my well, take me, on it. Let me point out that looking at Davis's background, it isn't that stellar. Because I did the same thing you did. I looked into some of this as well to see what's going on and uh, uh, looked at Davis's background and some of the things that he was involved with. And I was a little bit worried about uh, some of his opinions seem not to be as based in reality as they could be. Well, but you let, me, let me just say, I talked, I talked to a physicist. As a matter of fact, I had an extensive conversation with a physicist who shall remain unnamed Don, because I, number one, I don't have his permission, but Don, let us yeah. talk about that in just a moment. I've got to take a break. Okay. Sorry, but I got to take a break. It's just the way things are. Um, there'll be more information about this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And some of the things we talked about just briefly are in the book that just came out UFOs in the deep state. And I think you can find some of the answers that, uh, to the questions in that book. You are listening to a different perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. We'll be back right after this, so please stick around. And I am here with Don Ecker. We're talking UFOs and things like that. 
I was going to say, though, I think if we're going to play Creedence Clearwater, we should do There's a Bathroom on the Right. I mean, a bad I, move on I, the right. I, I was looking for my M60 so I could start oiling the bolt when I heard that. <laughs> What's interesting is I've seen video of, um, what's his name, singing the song, and he actually does at some point say there's a bathroom on the right. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there we go. Um, if you if you take a look at it for Creedence Clearwalk Revival, Revival, and there's a bathroom on the right, you can find at least one place where he does in fact say that. But we digress into the insanity <laughs> here. of the 1960s. I might add you, and I know what you mean about listening to the music dragging you back into that era. Um, when we went away, we we're talking about Eric Davis, and I had mentioned briefly at that time that. Uh, Looking at his background, I found it a little bit worrisome. Did you did you look at that in depth, and did you come to the same kind of conclusion? Yeah, yeah, actually, I did. I what I started to say before we had to go to break. I I have a, a colleague, an associate who is a physicist, and uh, whenever we get into some of these more wonky areas, I like to uh, get in touch with this individual, and. When I mentioned Davis, <laughs> it's kind of funny, uh, this individual's eyes rolled. Now, I'm a people watcher, okay? <laughs> when I see something like that, you know, uh, my alarm goes off and I get curious and I, <laughs> I inquired uh, why <laughs> did you roll your eyes? And uh, this individual said, well, uh, Eric Davis. And I said, yeah. He said, well, everybody I know that knows him wants to kick his ass. <laughs> I said, oh, why is that? And uh, I guess it comes down to personal you know, problems with him. He, he's apparently not the most congenial person to get along with. So uh, I just found that very, very funny and very curious, Kevin. Well, going off on a tangent, because you said he was hard to get along with, uh, I found the same thing in, the, in my investigation of William Rhodes. He's a guy that took the photographs on July 7th in Phoenix, that sort of a heel-shaped object that matched sort of the original description of a craft seen by um, Kenneth Arnold. And there was a lot of discussion about that, him being a very abrasive person, but a, but a genius nonetheless. And I talked to a couple of people who had been friends with him and knew him very well, and they said that was his big falling out, or his biggest problem was his um, abrasive personality, so that people would say bad things about him just because they didn't like him, not necessarily that he, that he was... Uh, a liar or anything like that, it would hoax the photographs. And that may be the same sort of thing we've, we've got going there with, uh, with Eric Davis. But I also think, you know, we have to take a look at the, um, the whole complex thing here and how they've managed to keep a lot of this stuff under wraps for literally decades. Um, and I, you know, I, I found it somewhat surprising they were able to do that with all the journalists out there and all the people interested. And I think it was bringing down this curtain of ridicule. Well, you don't want to talk about flying saucers, do you? You don't believe in little green men, do you? And there was also, and you mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to get back to that, the idea that careers have been, been ruined by reporting UFOs. Uh, what's one of the best examples you can think of is the guys who a person's career who's been ruined by talking about UFOs. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it not only goes from the armed forces, but also it went into civilian commercial air flights. Uh, pilots that had been uh, castigated for reporting encounters with these unknown objects. Uh, one of the 
ones that immediately comes to mind <clears throat> was the Japan Airlines incident flying over Alaska back in 1986, a uh, 747 flown by a Japanese pilot coming from Paris, carrying, among all things, their freight was uh, case upon case upon case of Beaujolais wine, which I got to got to admit, Kevin, I have kind of a fondness for Beaujolais. But uh, they were flying over Alaska when, in fact, he reported, and it was also picked up on radar, this apparently gigantic, and he said it was, my Lord, bigger than an aircraft carrier, uh, object in the sky, and... Uh, Quite frankly, they were absolutely freaked out by it. Uh, the whole air crew saw it. Now, when he got back to Japan, he talked about that, and it wasn't long before he was no longer on flight status. Now, it was my understanding that uh, he had been thinking about retiring anyway, but this kind of speeded the process up. But there have been other people over the years, going back especially in the 50s, where pilots have been had been uh, taken off of flight status and even fired because they talked about this. And then, invariably, the Air Force would come out with ridiculous explanations of what they actually saw. For example, Venus rising, and they mistook it for a UFO when as it would turn out, Venus might be on the other side of the planet at that time. And, of course, there was never anybody that, that had been called to task for these ridiculous explanations. Uh, they count, and I believe this, and I have always believed it, they count upon time passing. And we live in a, in a society today where the red-hot news story right now that's coming out will be forgotten by tonight at dinner time because there'll be something else. And uh, that's just the, uh, the culture and society we live in. So I, I found it absolutely astounding that uh, this Nimitz encounter in 2004 and these subsequent reports, including videos, have come out. And uh, the bottom line is uh, that was one of the reasons that, quite honestly, I, I became, believe it or not, once again, somewhat hopeful that we may proceed with this, Kevin. Well, let me interrupt here because I do have a question that goes back a little bit to something you said earlier, and I wanted to touch on that is you talked about the Air Force investigations coming up with some ridiculous explanations and Venus being among them. But isn't it true that oftentimes the Air Force explanation turned out to be correct, even though it seemed kind of silly at the time? I'm thinking of the Child's Witted sighting of 1948. Uh, they saw the cigar-shaped craft with the square windows. Um, it's now labeled as a bolide, a very bright meteor. But isn't that kind of uh, a legitimate explanation for that sighting? Well, yeah, sure, and uh, let me uh, let me throw an old trope at you. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. So, Unless it's a twenty-four sure. hour clock. Yeah. So anyway, you know, to get to get to the bottom of this recent series of events, uh, one thing that I did want to mention to you to get your insight on it. With all of this coming out and, and public announcements, the Navy today is encouraging their pilots that if they see something, say something. Okay, I don't mean to sound <laughs> a little wonky about that, but if you see something, come forward, report it, let us know. And uh, that in itself, when I first heard about it, literally blew me away. And I'm sure you raised your eyebrows. But with all of this going on, guess who has been deafening, deafeningly silent, Kevin? Not a word, not a peep, 
not a press release, nothing. The very people that were in charge of this investigation for decades, the United States Air Force, they have been absolutely, totally silent about all of this. And I find that astounding, don't you? It is interesting that we haven't heard anything from them. I was always of the kind of the opinion that they were delighted that the uh, fire was being directed at somebody else. Uh, they don't have to answer the questions. Now it's a Navy problem and not an Air Force problem. And I can see them wanting to uh, divert attention from themselves and uh, to divert their attentions from their past uh, investigations. And going back to the Condon Committee and say, well, we you know, looked into this in depth and uh, there you, there's our answer. You can take a look at that and see where we're going. Uh, Don, I think we're out of time here. So we're going to have to uh, let it go at that. I did want to thank you for taking time today, and you'll be back in a couple of weeks to uh, talk about some additional aspects of this. And I think we'll look at the UAPs and some of the other things going on today. Um, but I want to thank you for taking your time today to chat with me here on The Different Perspective. My pleasure. Absolutely a pleasure, Kevin. And we'll try to get the time right. <laughs> so we don't have those problems coming up. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking to Kathleen Martin. She, big claim to fame, is she's the niece of Betty Hill, and she's been doing an awful lot of research into alien abductions. I think she's director of alien research or alien abduction investigations or whatever her title is at MUFON. So she's been collecting an awful lot of information about that, and she has just published an update of the book Captured, which she wrote with Stan Friedman about the Barney and Betty Hill case, and there's some new information in there that might be um, interesting for all of that, for all of those of you who are interested in that sort of thing. And I just want to take a time again to mention that my latest book is UFOs in the Deep State. It was published just this month. And it's a discussion about the ways the deep state has kept the real story of UFOs out of the public arena. I'd written this book, uh, if I had written this book last year, I'd would have taken, this year I should say, it would have taken a slightly different tack given the fact of what President Biden has done in bringing people into his cabinet and who they are. They're the same people that were associated with Obama and Bush and Clinton on back showing that the deep state, how the deep state manipulates the situations and how the bureaucrats maintain their uh, high-level positions from administration to administration and how they are able to protect some of the secrets that Don and I were talking about here uh, today. And of course, there's always, uh, take a look at the best of Project Blue Book, Encounters in the Desert about the Socorro UFO landing, and Roswell in the 21st century, which I think sometimes gets overlooked because it's more of a a uh, cold case review of all the information and doesn't have some of the uh, exciting alien stories that appear in other books. But uh, the thing is, I tried to limit it to what we uh, know to be true as opposed to what we would like to be true and that sort of thing. Uh, as I said, next week is Kathleen Martin. The week after that will be Nick, Re Nick Redfern talking about his latest book as well. Uh, we've got Don Schmidt coming up again in the very near, near future. Oh, and the one I should mention is next, I'm sorry, next week is not Kathleen Martin. She's the week after that. Next week is Jacques Vallée and Viola Harris talking about their book, Trinity, uh, The Best Kept Secret. And that's what everything is talking about uh, today. Everybody's excited about that. So that will be next week. Kathleen Martin follows on the 9th and Nick Redfern on the 16th of June. I will be back in a 167 hours with more incredible information. So thank you for tuning in.